G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. G'day everyone, welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name's Russ McCumber, I'm your host today. Gabe can't join us today, but I've got a very special guest. We've got Leanne Follis from JLL. G'day Leanne, how are you today? Doing well, how are you Russ? Doing Great really to be here. Good, good. Yeah, so so pumped to have you here. We've obviously already had a couple of chats and I'm, I'm really keen to dig into, into your SEO journey and that of JLL. Before I get to that, we always open every episode with the same question. So Leanne, I'll get straight to it. What do you think is the biggest challenge, the number one challenge facing SEOs in 2022? Such a Go. good question. There's so many ones that I can think of just from like a ranking perspective. But if I had to put my finger on the number one challenge that the SEOs are going to have in 2022 is really going to be about proving the value of RO and the ROI of SEO. So, you know, we're still in this time of COVID where, you know, things are still uncertain. Um, it's putting a lot of emphasis on what the power of external search can do. And so it takes a lot of multiple different strategies in order to really move the needle to become number one or to get the highest rankings you can on Google. And so being able to prove the value of mm. those strategies, I think are going to be really important this year. Great answer. Love it. Excellent. Okay. So we are off and running. I did do a quick little introduction then of you, Leanne, but basically we're talking today about JLL. But before we get into that, and, and you can tell us a bit more about JLL, I'd just like to find out a bit more about yourself, your experience, and you know how did you fall into this SEO career? Because not many people you know, get out of school and go, I really want to be an SEO. I really want to help someone get found on Google. Tell us, how, how did you yeah, get here? Um, you know, SEO really just kind of fell in my lap. Um, so I was working as a marketing director for a law firm. So I, just for everyone's awareness, I normally started in uh, small business. And so I was working for a marketing okay. director for a law firm. And uh, we were doing a lot of different marketing strategies for everything from print to traditional radio ads, you name it. And then we were doing some PPC ads. And I'll never forget, my boss actually walked into my office and said, oh my gosh, I just landed this big client and you'll never believe how they got to us. I said, how was that? He goes, she Google searched badass attorney in LaSalle County and we were number one. And so he runs over the computer cool. and, and he's checking it out. And uh, sure enough, we were there. Uh, we were number one. I said, oh yes, that's our, that's our PPC ad. We're bidding against keywords like LaSalle County attorney. And so he said, well, what are these things down here? Did they pay to be here? And I said, no, those are what they call the organic results. And, and those you get to rank higher um, organically. And those are for free. And he said, how do we get there? How do we become number one there? And I said, well, you know, I'm not entirely sure. Let me look into that. Let me research it. And then I fell into SEO. I fell in love with SEO. And I'll never forget, I even asked the agency that we worked with because we were building our sites at the time. And, and I said, what can you tell me about SEO? How can you help us there? And he said, you know, Leanne, it's just, it's too complicated. We actually have to outsource that. And that's when I was like, ah, challenge accepted. I will find out everything I need to know about SEO and I'll become an expert. And it just really kind of took off from there. I love it. I love it. What a cool story. What, what years are we talking without giving away 
Oh, no, I actually need to know. <laughs> what sort of years are we talking about? 2011 is when I started researching SEO. Okay. And yeah, I mean, and what's really yep. kind of cool as well is not only did it start from that, but then because the business ended up growing so big because of what we were doing, my paralegal duties ended up overshadowing my marketing duties. And so I had to take a step back and say, you know, this isn't what I want. I want to be in marketing. I want to be doing this digital stuff. So I'm going to actually set, take a step back, do a couple of years, get my master's degree, really focus on digital marketing and, and create this side business. That side business was completely built up through SEO and, and through like online social media marketing. And it allowed me to step away for two yep. years to learn everything I possibly could about digital marketing, everything I could about SEO. And then that just kind of started becoming the building blocks to my SEO career. Got it. So many cool, like cool, interesting little bits and pieces that you've touched on there. I do remember... I've been in marketing for a long time as well. And I remember when I was running an events business, paying 10 cents per click for, for those little ads, that, which looked ridiculous at the top of the page back in the early mm -hmm. 2000s. But I do remember some of the first conversations around SEO and people just saying, oh, it's a dark yeah. art. You're never going to work it out. You know, there's, we've got some people that work on it. We kind of don't want to know. And this is back in the, you know, clearly just black hat days of just keyword stuffing. And, and uh, I remember... There was, you know, where you'd have like a white page and you'd have all the white text on there so that it couldn't be seen to the human eye. Um, and then obviously yeah. links. Yeah, that's so it would have been similar around 2011, like in terms of yeah, mm -hmm. the, the yep. knowledge. That was about, yep, 2011. Yep. And then just like really trying to understand, okay, we need content. Like it just, you can't have a, yep. a one page website. Like you have to have content. And then there's these things called backlinks mm. and how do I get more of those? And so, yeah, lots of uh, black hat uh, tricks that were shown, but thankfully, you know, you dig a little deeper, you'll, you'll find out about them. <laughs> That's a really interesting time to come into SEO as well, because you think about like Panda and Penguin and all those things which are going to happen not long after you've just gotten into it. How huge. A lot of, you know, the really good practitioners that we, that we speak to, when we talk about, you know, what they're looking for in an up and coming SEO, it's exactly like what you did. It's someone who's built their own site or they've built something from scratch and they've helped it rank and, and they've had full ownership of it. You know, they haven't necessarily just worked as part of a, a big team on, you know, just one little tactical task. We're, we're sort of jumping all over the place, but I'm, I'm just really fascinated by that story that where you've gotten to today. So in terms of your time at JLL, when did you, how long have you well, been Well, I came on as a contractor in 2018. And so it was really interesting because yep. I was um, in a different job. I wasn't working for the law firm anymore and really kind of doing things with PPC and, and really kind of ramping up SEO there. At that time, I was really in, involved with LinkedIn and posting a lot of SEO content. And so a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, mm. I have this opportunity. Would you be interested? And so I, I did. And I went to the interview and nailed it, got brought on as a contractor. And then three months later yeah. was being converted full time and then got part of a, a global team. And now here I am as a director and it's been a crazy, wild, fun wow. journey. That's super cool. When you sort of came on as a contractor, was it in your mind that, oh, geez, if I, you know, if I do really well here, maybe there's a permanent, permanent gig here. Did you ever think, okay, maybe I might be directing the whole globe's SEO strategy for this No, business. no, never. Like it was always the goal of just get converted. Like just make sure you, you nail yeah. this and, and you prove yourself never in a million years that I think that, you know, I'd be running a global team and be working with colleagues yep. all over the world, which is amazing. How cool. Okay. We should probably explain a bit who JLL is. So can you tell us a bit about the business and tell us a bit about the types of 
you know, the types of companies that you work with there? Yeah, yeah. So um, JLL is a, com- a leading commercial real estate company. We specialize in services all the way from investment management and sustainability to corporate solutions and research. We have 92,000 employees all across the globe in 80 plus countries. So we're a very large organization. Wow. Yeah, um, our target audience are going to be those high net worth investors and then like Fortune 500 corporations. But we've really started kind of tapping into that mid-size companies. Um, now that we've really grown ourselves organically, we're starting to get in front of a different audience that at one time I don't think was really considered as someone that was a real target audience in the realm of where we've done business previously. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of challenges there. You've, I mean, we're talking global, so there's obviously international SEO, which we're going to touch yeah. on. You know, real estate, property, finance, these are not they're not easy terms to rank for. <laughs> they're not as highly competitive and we've had some amazing results. Let's 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 get back to the you know to your starting point there at JLL. Can you take me through when you came on as a contractor what was the situation in terms of you know was it all in-house was it done centrally was it was it sort of dispersed through the regions I'm really curious as to what the resources were and the lay of the land from an SEO perspective when you started. Yeah, so when I came in, I got brought in as part of the America's digital marketing team. So we had a content strategist mm-hmm. and, and a, a digital uh, lead. We had someone with an analytics, email marketing. And so I was just one portion of the team uh, just looking at SEO. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was really naive to the fact that there was actually a team in SEO over in Europe and there was one over in Asia Pacific. So yeah. one of the things that we weren't really allowed to touch was more around the content. You know, we already had a content strategist. We already, you know, they already had their plans kind of already formulated. So what they asked Mm -hmm. for me to do when I first came on board was just to kind of take a look at the site and say, what do you think? You know, what would you say? Where can we improve? Where do you see some opportunities? And so, of course, my first thought was, let's go from a technical standpoint. Let's see what we have here. You know, you find the normal things that you always see, uh, your broken links, your redirected links. You know, uh, there's regional competition. So when we're looking for particular keywords and you're in China, you're going to you're being served something in the U.S., which was a major pain point for some of the other regions, obviously. And then page speed, of course, is going to be something that, you know, everyone was struggling with. So yeah, and so we were looking at that. Uh, One of the big things that was kind of like a a aha moment was when we were looking into just commercial real estate. And when you search the keyword, JLL, who is the second largest real estate company in the world, didn't appear in the first top 100 results. So that was kind of like, that's a huge miss. We need need some sort of presence. And so we looked in and found that there was obviously a local intent for those types of keywords. And so we gave birth to our local market pages and targeted the users right there where they were. And we went from not ranking in the top 100 to ranking on page one or page two in certain markets. And that's also without having yep. any properties even to showcase on those pages. So we did some some great work and, and we still have some more work to do, but we are, that's the direction we're moving. So in terms of even saying, okay, well, I'm going to come at it from a technical perspective, like it's a monster of a site and you just picked out there, okay, well, commercial real estate, this is what we do and we're not ranking for that. So clearly that's one you know, one particular cluster of keywords that we've got to go pretty hard on and localize it, as you mentioned. How else did you start, you know, picking and choosing where to always have that, uh, you know, how do you eat, eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time, but w- which bite, like which part 
of a monster style like that, how do you prioritize? Uh, so we had to go through the technical. It was really the only thing that we could have really any type of influence on because we could show that there was so many things that were broken that we could say, let us fix mm -hmm. this for you. And then let's show you how that moves the needle. And if you want to keep going that route, great, we will. If not, we can we can take change directions. And so what we found was that we what we started actually implementing is our site health action items and reporting. So we created this template that allowed us to monitor our errors over time how that when we fix those, how does that improve our site health scores? And then what does that do to us for a domain authority perspective? And so what we found is mm. that as we started actually increasing the site health of our scores, which I think when we first started, it was around a 43%, according to ARIFS. But then mm. by the time we got to 80%, we started seeing the level and the uptick and like visibility start to level out. So we're like, okay, now we're seeing that we're seeing the max benefit that we can from making these site health improvements. Maybe now we need to switch to Tactics. Let's start looking more at the content and then having more engaging conversations with the teams that were responsible for making content to help kind of shift the conversation into let's make sure we have pages that are optimized for the core products and services that we offer to our clients and then build a content strategy around that. And so that kind of also gave mm -hmm. way to what we now have as our services pages or our solution pages. So then in terms of like opening those conversations with your content team, was it how, how long into your, have you moved into a permanent position by this point? And is there some seniority or are you, are you still kind of a contractor? How's that? How's that I'm definitely in-house at this point. So I would say okay. about a year yep. after I got brought on board is when the team really globalized. And that's when we started scaling out the site health reporting and action items to the other regions. And then this kind of allowed mm -hmm. me to let that be, focus be over there with the team that's working on those sites. And then I can kind of come over here and start having conversations with our content team. And by at this point, I had our, already started building up a lot of clout within our own digital team with a lot of the market marketing teams. And so it was, they were very welcoming in terms of like our, our recommendations and, and putting those forth. This is something which is consistent with these conversations we're having with, with great SEOs from big organizations is that, as you mentioned, they're sort of building that clout, building that credibility internally. So those doors are either open for you or, you know, you can come in there with some juice behind you. So, so do you get listened to? Did you have a champion internally helping open those doors for you or was it happening more organically? You told me, was it mapped out? Were you really strategic? I'm no, really it curious. definitely has a lot to do with um, a great leadership team behind us being able to champion the cause. So uh, when I first got brought on board, we had a content strategist who was essentially leading the digital team and it was anything mm -hmm. you need, just ask. And, and she was always championing for us. Uh, then we also had our project manager who he kind of saw everything from a dev standpoint and it was, you know, anything you need, just let us know. And so as so, soon as, you know, we kind of started making headway with, you know, the content strategist with, with the product manager, it was kind of like everything else just fell in place. Of course you have those sticking points and sometimes there's a little bit of back and forth, but the great thing is, is I've never had an instance where I've been working with this team and, and, anything that we need. It might not be able to happen right now, but it's definitely something that everyone keeps in the back of their mind and we do it a different way the next time, which is always a, a great thing to see. That's great. Just another solid reminder that SEO is a team sport. It sure it's is. It's not something that the SEO team does on their own. No, absolutely yeah. not. You cannot do it alone for SEO. There's no way, <laughs> especially not in a yeah. big organization. No, no way. So let's get, let's just hone in on the SEO team. You mentioned a bit about the leadership in that team. So how is that structured? I know we've got, obviously, you've got your different regions. 
But is it is it broken into technical and content or can you maybe just dig into that a little bit? Yeah, uh, that's actually the route that we're wanting to go. So it's always ah, been yep. structured where it's been regional. Um, so yep. I'm kind of overseeing the globe where we have our our specialists in, in the Americas. And then we have another um, specialist in EMEA who also oversees APAC. And now because we're starting to connect the dots on all the different products from a web standpoint, we're starting to see, you know, mm-hmm. we can't just focus on one product. You can't just focus on the corporate site. We have to know how all of these different elements work together. And so that means we have to be a team and we can't be regionally segregated anymore. So what we've decided is, you know, maybe we'll start looking at this from a, a specialization standpoint. Standpoint. And that's kind of where we are today is trying to mm. set the groundwork for where, you know, one person's focusing strictly on technical, the other on content and another on off page. So that way we're all involved in all the different projects that are happening. We all have line of sight and visibility. So that way, if there is something mm. that might compete with what we're doing at a global level, we can go ahead and, you know, put a stop to it or, or kind of connect the dots on those two projects right away. And as opposed to yeah. having to redo work and, and scale things back. So we'll see yeah. where that takes us, but I'm, I'm definitely very optimistic for how that will, that'll play out. For sure. And it's going to take some really strong leadership as well. Like we had Morty Oberstein from SEMrush on the podcast a, a while back and uh, he was, his sort of viewpoint on, on SEO at the moment is it's, it's we're kind of in a bit of a schism moment where you've got your technical SEOs and your content SEOs and it, it's getting a bit siloed. What you're moving towards is kind of recognizing those silos but having them work together. So I guess it's really that that leadership perspective of having people understand that yes, you're going to be in your lane, you know, like head down, knee deep in your, you know, like that's really specialized territory, mm-hmm. but you're going to be working alongside other people in, in silos. Bit of a question without notice, but what do you see as some of the key things you can do to, to make sure that they're doing their best work in what they do best at the same time as running alongside the others in the other silos? Well, I will have to say that we've been working together for quite some time. So myself and and my counterpart over in Europe, we've been working together since I've started. So going on the better half of three years. So we know each other pretty well. And that level of trust has been built. Then our um, leader in the Americas region, she's been here for about over a year. She's very strong on the content side. So it's kind of natural. I've always had more of a focus um, on the technical side of things. So it's just kind of this is where we want to be right now. This is where we, we need yeah. to be. So let's go ahead and do this for now. And then what it does that I'm really excited about too, is it opens the doors to kind of shift, right? So if, you know, maybe I need to work on my strengths within content, then maybe Charlotte comes over to, to technical for a minute and I go over into, into uh, content. And the great part is, is, you know, if you need to take a week <laughs> to have a vacation or something, then we're still all here and we can absolutely move into those other areas and, and, support where it's needed. So that way no one's experiencing any burn t- burnout or anything like that. We want to make sure the team is definitely happy and, and they're able to thrive. Okay. So I guess what I'm picking up there, like really key is just that buy-in that you've already got from the team. They know this is a direction to take it. And I've seen that happen in, in lots of teams where whether it's one manager or the, or the management team, seeing the landscape of how things are changing elsewhere and going, geez, we, we've got to get our ship heading that direction now. And just changing direction yeah. that way, as opposed to, you know, really getting that buy and having that engagement and talking it through with your people, because 
just because it's it's working elsewhere doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be fit for you guys. But if you can get your people on board with it, you know, we're all heading in the same direction together. Yeah, exactly. And change is hard no matter, you know, where you're at. So that's one thing too. So you're not only having to shift directions, but you're having to, you know, shift, shift the ship, if you will, while still trying to like steer the ship, you know. Uh, so there's a little bit of that, you know, every time that there's any type of change management, you have to do it sensitively and, and make sure it's a gradual shift so that when every way, that way everyone can get comfortable. But, you know, I think that's the way that we've been moving for some time now. So I think we're, we're, Mm. we're in a good spot. Excellent. Excellent. In terms of like planning and, and, you know, forecasting, we've spoken a fair bit about, you know, the internal mechanisms inside the structure of your team and how that's changing soon. But how how does that work in terms of reporting up your roadmap for the next three, six, 12 months? What does that process look like? So essentially what we do is we create our roadmaps and our roadmaps is basically just what we have in our backlog for what we know that needs to be fixed. Sometimes it has to mm-hmm. do with mostly technical things now that we're getting more into content and we're having more of a, of a voice in, in the content creation of things. We'll start incorporating those things. So if you can imagine, our technical backlog is pretty is pretty massive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that can scan for the matter of years. Uh, so, so it's just kind of a matter of shifting things around that's going to not only benefit the SEO team and our overall objectives, but then we also have to kind of weave in what is important from a business priority standpoint as well. So re- weaving in some of that yep. cam- campaign and content. In terms of like actually forecasting, what is this going to net us? It's something that we yep. haven't really gotten it too much into at this point, just because there hasn't been a whole lot of data for us to compare it to. Because if you yep. think about when I first got brought on in 2018, the site had just undergone a massive uh, reconstruction. So it had a refresh. I believe the URL structures also changed. It all happened right, right before I came on. So once the site was launched, and from my understanding, I believe they were able to do a complete site decommission and a relaunch and a refresh all in a matter of six months. Like it was really, really fast. Uh, And so when they launched the site, they saw a massive drop off in traffic. And so it was kind of like, we need to do something and we need to do something now. And so it was, and that's, I think that's probably why we focus on technical. If we really go back and think about it, because it was like, what's broken, what happened that, that made this. And so a lot of the pages that they had, they weren't really optimized for keywords and for a particular intent. So a lot of the keywords that they wanted to have visibility for, they didn't. So before we could even say, how are we going to move the needle in this space? Well, we got to get you even in this space. You're not even in the conversation yet. So let's go ahead and create something where you can get in the conversation, create a baseline, and then work off of that. And so that's kind of where we've been. We just had a really great case study actually around one of our business lines that we just recently did. And with that one, I got the stats here. Let me just take a look. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we improved our share of voice 187% by targeting the keyword, by targeting the intent. Uh, that actually attributed to 558% more clicks from Google. So it was a huge win um, for this particular business line. We're really proud of it. And it's something that's starting to scale globally. So now it's kind of like, okay, we now we have a benchmark. (laughs) We we're in the space, we're in the conversation now. Now, what can we do to even maximize it more? Because you know that there's way more growth out there. That's, that's an opportunity. So let's, let's jump at it. 
And when you're, you know, communicating that story internally to try to get, you know, more cred to be able to do more things like that, are you putting like a monetary value on that? Like 558% extra in clicks. If we were to pay for those clicks from Google, it would be, you know, this is the sort of value of the traffic. Is that is that part of the conversation? Yeah, so it is from like a, a site level perspective. So we have our data repository that we're adding information in and we're taking that information, the traffic value from RFs right now. Um, and so that's yeah. helping us to help prove the value of what the, the estimation of our traffic is. Obviously, we really want to get more into conversion attribution, revenue attribution, mm. and we're getting there. We we have a demand team that's made huge strides in being able to understand where revenue is being influenced from and organic search is being the number one traffic driver to the site, leading awesome. converter. We know that we're yep. definitely a big part of that conversation. We just want to be able to say apples to apples, this campaign attributed to this much of dollars and this is how much organic search attributed to that's my blue sky we're getting there we're yeah. getting closer but we're not quite there it's a lot different from like small business when you could just walk into the the owner's office or into the sales team's office and say hey what did you get in sales today oh this person yeah. filled out a form so i can i can connect the dots on those two it's not the same yeah <laughs> you've obviously had some huge wins in your time there but what are some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome within you know working within such a large organization you know, the biggest hurdles for sure were understanding what my swim lanes were um, in, a, mm. in a large organization because there's so many teams. And for me, I've I've always kind of been a one man show. So I'm trying to come into this, you know, huge team, um, this huge global yeah. team. And, and I'm interjecting into all of these different areas. But at the same time, it all matters for SEO. So how much you're driving traffic from all the different channels matters, how they're engaging with your page and the content, whether they're bouncing, like all of it is important. So it's kind of like, I'm not doing my due diligence if I'm not stepping on a little, a little toe here and there from time to time, yeah. but do so gracefully. Um, you know, I, I just would like to point this out and, and hopefully, you know, we'll make some movement here. If not, let's wait for the data to help support the theory. And that seems to be working out at least back on what I'm, I think it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's definitely been the, the biggest hurdle is just um, is trying to overcome that. And then just connecting the dots in such a large organization. Cause the moment you think, you know, everything you'll, realize you you really don't because I mean I'm still figuring out how many sites that we have just you know different teams have different sites or or there's a campaign that's happening over here and it's also happening one in the other in another region somewhere else so just trying to keep tabs on everything that's going on so that way the right hand knows what the left is doing has always been uh, a challenge as well but the more higher into the organization I go it's easier to see all the dots that have to be connected so it's we're getting there that's so interesting too because i think about because i've had i've worked across small to medium some pretty large organizations as well and i can see how being you know having worked in small more agile businesses you'd be used to having a really good view on everything and you know you're used to not just working on one small you're not just one little cog in a wheel you are the whole wheel so right. you you can have that that more holistic approach to seo which would be super helpful but at the same time as you say now stepping into a huge organization all of a sudden you got campaigns running in different parts of the world that you didn't realize that could obviously be impacting search kind of like a two-edged sword but it has to be positive because of the like the way that you can i think just having that full view especially as you move further and further up in the organization gives you a lot of power i mean yeah i mean i wouldn't say yeah to that point i wouldn't say it was necessarily power but i think yeah. it's empowering 
because, you know, the thing is, is you can, I think a lot of people in meetings, sometimes they sit back and they think, you know, something about this doesn't feel right, but I don't know enough to be able to kind of interject and say something feels off here. And I kind of pride myself on kind of being the digital marketing jack of all trades, (laughs) master of none, and be able to say, you know what? maybe we need to think about this another way. And it opens up so many doors. So even though you might, it might cause a little bit of of conflict for a second in terms of like, well, why are you chiming in on this? I promise you after I'm done chiming in on this, you're going to be so thankful that I did because now you're just thinking of it a different way. And we can take this approach uh, in a different way and, and make it where it works for everyone. And I always yeah. believe that as long as we're doing everything for the greater good, um, everything else will just fall into place. That's great. And that's also, I, I had one of those, I basically had like an aha moment in my career as well, where I realized I, I need to be a lot more humble. <laughs> I need to just speak up and go, I know everyone else here seems to get it, but I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You just explain this one thing to me. And there's always more people in the room who just don't just, you know, didn't want to hurt their pride. They didn't want to be that one person. But I, got, I just got used to being that person for so long that now I just do it. If I don't know something, I'll just go, uh, sorry, probably really obvious. But what is that? Like, I just don't understand. Yeah, I, I, I have a firm believing in taking it aback, aback, A-B-A-C, yeah. always be asking questions. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. That's really Take it good. Back. Yeah. So the site now from a, from an SEO perspective, we talked a bit about you know, that case study before, but what else is happening in the site now that's that's you know changed a lot since you started? Uh yeah, a lot actually. We've we've done a lot in terms of like trying to fix um, issues that we have around orphan pages. So making sure that pages are able to be included in our site map. So we had a little bit of issues there. We've really been changing the conversation around the content. So before we had a lot of of the marketing initiatives being led by marketing without a whole lot of digital input. Now the digital Mm -hmm. team is starting to get involved much more um, frequently and a lot earlier. So that way we can have some data to help kind of support these campaigns. So we're starting to now create more long form content to help drive traffic um, for these campaigns, as opposed to just creating landing pages that have a bunch of links on them that take you to gated content. So we're really Mm -hmm. starting to push the, the conversation of making sure that we're fulfilling the intent of the user on the page that's supposed to rank organically. We're starting to now take a look at backlinks and and off-page SEO strategies. We've really been getting into Google My Business and and using platforms like Yaks to help kind of make sure that our name, address, and phone numbers are consistent all across the web. Yeah, there's been a lot of of, of, um, big wins that we've been having just around just having the solid baseline set in order for us to really start being able to attribute what the work that we're doing, how it's driving value for the business. So what do you see now as it's sort of key to, to the future roadmap for JLL in terms of SEO growth? I definitely think it's going to be the restructuring of the internal team, yep. focusing on specialization. Yep. That way, you know, nothing gets missed. And, you know, we're, you know, having one person overseeing one pillar of SEO, I think is going to help, you know, from us stretching ourselves too thin and trying to not shoot with a, a specific target in mind and, and trying to like just nail everything out at, in one shot. So I do mm-hmm. definitely think that that's going to be the key to uh, making some big strides this year. Yep. Excellent. Last question before I get into our Vox Pop. I'm just curious, are there any non-obvious software tools that, that you use every day that people go, oh, wow. And it's like 
global director of SEO at JLL uses that. What, what, any ideas? Yeah, I love Chrome extensions. So SEO okay. Quake is one of my favorite. I use SEO yeah. Quake multiple times a day. Any type of page that's getting created, I'm always looking at it from an SEO Quake side. The web developer Chrome extension tool is really cool too. I like that you can mm -hmm. actually see how Google will crawl the page by you know turning off all the styling and just very easily being able to see where the links are and, and where the image, uh, where there might be not be image alt text and stuff like that. So that's yeah. another one. Omnibug is a good one. Uh, so that way you're able to check all the tagging and make sure everything is firing on your page as expected. And then Arefs is, is my favorite mm. SEO tool. I've been using some more powerful enterprise tools. I still think Arefs is one of the, my favorites. And then just Google itself, like Google search what you're looking for, see what ranks and, and then yeah. do something, you know, based off of that. Like Google itself is just such a powerful tool. I think that's a very underrated answer. We've got one of the lead SEOs in our team. He, he loves just doing exactly that. Like he'll, he'll uh, if, if there's a certain client we're working with and he just wants to get, one, get an understanding as to why for a particular keyword, but everything th seems to be lining up from a content link structure perspective should be ranking really, really well and it's not. Well, the answer's already there. It's on page one of Google and it's been ranked for you in order of what Google likes best. Exactly. So, Stop trying to get super clever around other things. Just go to Google, let it tell you the answer, and then, you know, reverse engineer from there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, one more other one that I forgot to mention, Ask the Public. Another one that's a oh, really yep. good one, Ask the Public. Uh, good, always good content ideas coming from there. Cool. Leanne, amazing. Lots of really, really cool and tell us great stories as well about your experience. And I love a couple of things, you know, the fact that you've come from that small business, that really agile, scrappy, you know, sort of startup mode to bringing that attitude into a big global organization and, and seeing the way that's helped you cut through. That's amazing. And also just that curiosity of being like a, you know, a broader digital marketer who wants to know, because apart from the fact that you do step on toes and there are, you know, there are other departments that you're going to constantly need to work alongside, like it's really handy to be able to understand, you know, paid media campaigns and to be able to understand, you know, why landing pages are converting or not, because- yeah. The algorithm, you know, it's got a whole lot of factors in there that you, you should probably be across. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to reverse, to understand, like, and try to reverse engineer Google's algorithm, like, I don't yeah. know what it is about that, but the, it sparks a curiosity in me and it gets me excited. So I, I, I yeah. never experienced anything like this in and I won't say how many years, but in all of my years on this earth, I've never, <laughs> I've never had any type of career that really just excites me as much as yeah. understanding Google's algorithm and being able to just be like, yeah, I know how to do this. Like I can, I can figure this out. I can, I can help you grow just because I can understand how Google thinks, which is crazy because it's always changing. And so when you think you, you know it all, then it changes. So. <laughs> That's super cool. Super yeah. cool. All righty. So now we're going to run through our Vox Pops. So we've got some quick fire questions. I'm just going to fire them at you. Uh, try not to think too hard on them. And I'm going to move on to the next and to the next kickoff in three, two, one, and go. Which previous algo change still keeps you up at night? Obviously the mobile index algorithm update, but Panda 2, Panda 2. Okay. Do you need reasons? Uh, yeah, I would actually love a, a reason oh, for each. Yeah, okay. So uh, <laughs> mobile first indexing because, my goodness, mobile page speed is hard. Uh, that's yeah. the biggest That's the biggest hurdle for us to jump sometimes. But then in terms of Panda, especially working with a huge organization like this, mm. duplicate content and, and trying to make sure all that stuff is cleaned up and it's 
you'll never find everything out that's out there. And so, yeah, definitely Panda is uh, one that's not so obvious. Uh, gun to your head, which do you prefer, content or links? Content, for sure. Uh, have that mentality of if you build it, they will come. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used? The obvious one is going to be affiliate marketing. So going to uh, trade publications and getting some good affiliate links there. Unfortunately, they're sponsored, but you know it it still mm -hmm. helps. But the not so obvious one is just taking a look at your own backlinks that are owned. Um, so for example, mm. we have a lot of microsites that are pointing thousands of backlinks to the same destination. We mm -hmm. need to scale that back. We need to clean that up. And so we did a lot of that work at the beginning in 2018, 2019. And we yep. saw that really improve our domain authority. Uh, is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Yes, but with a caveat. So I am a huge firm believer. And if something is already had visibility and it was performing, bank off of it. Get yourself a running head start. Improve upon it. Absolutely. But again, the good content will naturally attract links itself. So mm. I, I'm just not one who really wants to go out and say, hey, site owner, can you link to my piece of content? I'd rather try to find who the influencer is in that area and have them yep. post something and, and attract that link naturally. What do you love most about SEO? That it's always changing. You, you yep. are constantly learning and you can never know it all. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? I try to say that I apply them to my daily life by saying I organize and simplify. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I do, sometimes I don't, uh, but that's what I try to do. But then I take it aback. Always be asking questions. Take it aback. I love it. I'm going to use that. I love that. Yeah. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life. What's your choice? Hybrid. So yeah, I've, I've had to think long about this one with COVID because I've gotten really mm. comfy in my PJs. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but yeah. there is absolutely something to be said about face-to-face -face value, especially when you're trying mm. to make changes in an organization and mm -hmm. SEO is always driving change. So you have to have yeah. that face-to-face -face time. Especially like we've spoken about a number of times, like if you're constantly working on stakeholder management and trying to get other people you know on board with what you're doing it's it's a lot easier to get that face to face through that um, you know brushing into someone or even just you know mm -hmm. booking some time in front of someone's face as opposed to just constantly you know messaging them on slack or teams and exactly. hoping they get back to you I think I know the answer to this given what you've said through the interview but Semrus or Ahrefs they're both great. I'm not going to lie. Some rush is great too, but I am partial to RF. So, and I think I say it wrong, but it just rolls off the tongue better no, when you say Ahrefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Patrick Stocks from, oh, I've said Ahrefs the whole way through that interview and I can't remember. He didn't correct me, but he's a really nice guy. So maybe I was saying it wrong. Uh, no, I, I've heard it pronounced different ways. Ahrefs, Ahrefs. I like yeah. Ahrefs. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. Okay, cool. Last one, agency or in-house or combo? What, what do you think is the uh, best play there? I think it depends. So for me, if I was still in small business, I would say hands down, uh, you probably have to go with some sort of agency uh, mm -hmm. just because the resources to try to get something when you're small business is, is much more difficult. Um, so using an agency is probably going to be a bit more um, of a benefit. Now in a large organization, you, I believe firmly you have to have in-house specialization. Mm -hmm. You have to have an expert in-house just because you have to know someone who knows your business as well as you do. They're ingrained into the culture. They can help connect the dots where an agency can't do that. But when you're a massive organization, like an organization like JLL, 
you do mm. have to have that combo of both because there's just no way that you can do everything. Leanne, thank you so much. Great conversation. Really, really enjoyed. Any uh, any final remarks that you'd like to sort of add on on your philosophy around SEO? Yeah, I would say last comments on this would just be be mindful of the small steps, right? Because a lot of times, especially with an SEO, especially when you're trying to drive change, there's always these small steps that we're trying to take. But when you look back after a couple of years or even just a year on all of those small steps that you've taken, you can actually see massive gains. And like when we're talking about SEO, a lot of times we're so head down and, and working every single day on just, you know, just being in the weeds of it all. But take that moment to take a step back and like look back. I, I keep books uh, where I write all of my notes down. I probably go through two or three massive books a year and just my notes. And then, you know, the year comes up and I go and I look back through my notes and I'm like, wow, look at all what we've done. And then we can go back and see what we set those benchmarks were a year ago. And now we look at it today. And I mean, to put it in uh, context, that one uh, case study that we were talking about for that business line, you know, that went live late in 2020. And we were so busy at the end of 2021 that I didn't have really a chance to kind of say, okay, how did that work out? And so I just, especially for this particular call, I uh, went back and I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is such a huge win and people need to know about it. (laughs) And yeah, so, so they might seem like small steps. Don't get discouraged because I'm telling you the power of SEO, SEO is not dead by any means. It is absolutely still very alive and well, and it really can help drive business growth. Love it. Love your passion. Love the stories. Thanks so much, Leanne. What a great conversation. That's been Leanne Follis from JLL. If you'd like to reach out to Leanne, if you're interested in in her career and her journey, uh, LinkedIn, best way to to find you, Leanne? Yeah, LinkedIn. Yep. Excellent. For those, uh, yeah, any questions around SEO success, any of this sort of thing, you can hit me up on LinkedIn as well, Russ McCumber. Thanks for listening again. Uh, If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love your reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and there's one other platform that Luke, our producer, is going to kill me for not remembering. And it's gone. Anyway, (laughs) this has been SEO Success Stories. had a great conversation with Leanne today. Thanks again, Leanne. Thank you so much, Russ.